0: back to another episode of MGE Table Talk I am your host T Turner and I know last time I said we were gonna do these on a more regular basis but I got full confession to make we got real 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 busy on the production side so I wasn't able to do as many as I like but you're in for a treat because I came back with a vengeance because I have sitting next to me someone who i grew up listening to someone who i have a lot of admiration for his art i call it art because you know the way he manipulates words and everything like it's something special and it's something to behold so it is an honor and a privilege to be sitting right here i'm gonna say his government name mckinley phipps but y'all know him professionally as matt thank you for sitting down with us at table talk
1: man pleasure and it is a pleasure to be here i'm to actually be here um i definitely appreciate that introduction um i'm I'm, i do consider myself an artist and i've been so since i was seven years old and and man it's it's just great
0: to be acknowledged for that well i mean and then art is just kind of like in your family i mean your mother does art as well correct
1: yeah well my mother is a, a visual artist my um my father is an actual visual visual artist they both paint um all of my brothers and sisters, we all are connected to art in some capacity. We need to paint, draw, or both. Mm-hmm. And um, three of my siblings are also musicians. My sister is a, well, four of them, actually. Both of my sisters are musicians. Uh, both of my mm-hmm. younger brothers are musicians. And even my brother that's under me, so we're all pretty much uh, connected to music and art. One of my um my, my, my youngest brother was actually a trombone player for Salon, for Beyonce's sister. Okay. Yeah, for some years, so he got to travel the world with her. And, um, yeah, it pretty much runs through our family, art, and music.
0: So you you said so you have four siblings, right? No, it's, I have five siblings. Five. I, it's six of us. So it's total six total. One. I'm the oldest. So y'all could be like a Jackson 6 almost?
1: Not quite, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but, you know, we our passion and, and, and our love for it is the same, but you know, we most of them actually have their own jobs and their own lives. This right. is something they do for fun or whatnot. Uh, only the only ones that kind of did it professionally was me and my baby brother. My uh, brother, that's over him, he do it. He do it professionally part time. Right. But the rest of them just do it because they love to do just it. Just naturally inclined.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, um a lot of people like to touch on just like you know the beginnings of Mac and and everything like that i kind of want to pick it up on from a different angle i want to talk to you first because this is something that i've i've heard about you for like a long time and now that i have you here you can like confirm if it's true or not the word on the street was you actually got offered a recording contract with Def Jam before you got with No Limit is that true or not i heard that and I just wanted to make sure if that was true or not.
1: Well, it wasn't a formal offer for a contract, but it was more of like um, I had a meeting with um, a guy named um, Kevin Lyles who was working for Def Jam at the time, and, and he was very interested in, in um, my music. I rapped for him. I played my demo for him, and he was definitely interested, and he talked to me about possibly coming to New York. And um, the day I left out of his room, um, I ran into Master P and a lot of people from No Limit on the elevator. It's almost like It was almost like it was destined in some sense. And I uh, ran into them, went to their party, and the rest is pretty much music history. I um, ended up signing with them pretty much because of the convenience of it being close to home. Right. We were, uh, they were, the headquarters was in Baton Rouge, which is an hour away from New Orleans, and I felt that if things didn't work out, I could always go back home versus being all the way on the East coast. Things don't work out. I'm stuck in New York. I don't know anyone in New York. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty much, uh, one of the determining factors. The other was that, um, I knew that on no limit, I would stick out like a sore thumb and that's what I wanted. You know, if I had got signed to Def jam, I probably would have fell in, you know, and, and it, 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 there's a possibility it could have worked out as well. Mm-hmm. It could have been big, but I also knew that there was the possibility that I would just sound like every other East Coast rapper. Because at the time, I was heavily into East Coast music, mm-hmm. and it was evident in my sound.
0: So, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, you cleared up, because for years, that was always a thing, and I'm like, I wonder if that's true or not. The, the second thing I wanted to touch on, too, is you have some songs um, from your first two albums, Shell Shocked and World War III, with an artist named Storm. Mm-hmm. Is Storm the same Storm that was affiliated with Tupac and the Outlaws?
1: Man, I've been asked that question a lot. No. <laughs> OK. <laughs> nah. Storm was um, a friend of mine named Janelle. She, um, she was a, a, a hell of a rapper. Um, you know, she doesn't rap anymore, but she was a hell of a rapper in the 90s. Um, most
0: definitely, most definitely. She was married.
1: You know, she had a very smooth style, and we met, and we just clicked. And we've been like brother and sister ever since. And, um, yeah, that's my that's my girl. Okay, and okay. Because
0: that and, was, um, you know, <clears throat> barbershop conversations and everything. Nah, it was always was, like, is that the same? storm
1: is actually from New Orleans.
0: Okay. So that's what I'm referring to she's from the water. Okay. So that, that was all okay, so we, we got those two things cleared up. So now I want to kind of pivot and talk to you about World War Three. Now right. a lot of people, you know, especially when they when they speak to you and even when they speak of you, they always bring up shell shock that day mm-hmm. the 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 your actually your second album, because your first album came out when you were more of a teenager.
1: Right. A kid rather, but uh... Right. But I I, I consider Shell Shock like my first uh, nationwide debut. Right,
0: right. But a lot of people bring that album up. But I want to take a different take on it and talk about World War Three because they're very different albums in sound. Right. Um, Shell Shock, you know, it it, it was just up there energy wise and everything. Right. World War Three feels more like a lyrical album like it was like it was really kind of around the lyrics Mm -hmm. and what you were doing and it showed a different progression right um can you talk a little bit about the (laughs) the differences that you saw in world war three and shell shock and your development as an artist
1: right first of all uh, first I would say musically it was different in that um it was different producers at that time too as well that was during the time uh that um Beast by the pound and no limit kind of split. Right. So we had different producers. We had um, uh XL, we had Ree, mm-hmm. my boy Re, um, who did um, Best Friends, which pe- which most people know is you was my nigga and now we beat. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And, yeah.
1: Uh, Track Three. So, so he did uh he did that one. We had um uh, we had X, we had Reed, we had Suge, um Man, I know I'm probably forgetting somebody else just off the top of my head. I done two of the tracks. Uh, my boy Rhyd Smooth did a track on there. Uh, keynote. It was just different producers, mm-hmm. and I know I'm missing somebody. And if I'm missing somebody, my bad. Uh, blame it on my age. I'm old. <laughs> so uh, we um, we did the we did the, the World War Three record, and musically, I think it was more melodic. Mm-hmm. You know, it was more melodic and. Um, I think the energy was there. I just think that the energy was transferred. It was... The energy was geared toward a different um, it, it's, direction.
0: It, it's, it seemed a little bit more mature in that you were on a different trajectory because even from the intro, right? it seemed like you were gearing up to be a little bit more political in your music.
1: Well, it was, it was definitely, I would say, um, more political in tone. And also... It was a different time in my life at that time. I mean Shell Shock was just me telling the world I'm here. You right. You know what I mean? Like right. in this sea of all these other people, I am here and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna bring this energy. This this is where I'm at. So that was my mindset on Shell Shock. And uh, it was like my debut. So I just was kicking in the door. I mean, I'm kicking in the door with no, hose, absolute, ball. no hose ball, absolutely just bull guarding my way into the game. And uh World War Three was more of like, okay. So you have heard me jumping up and down with the the rock. You yeah. heard all that, right? So now I want you to think a little more. And it was a, my experiences at the time had brought me to a different place. I mean, shell shock was a reflection of hunger. Mm-hmm. You know, as we said, just making sure you know I'm here. World War III was more of like, I've been here and here's how i feel as a result of what i've seen so far and i think it was a more i won't say a darker but it was a more introspective uh, time in my life and i think the music uh displayed that
0: yeah and i i mean growing up i had a great appreciation for that album because i felt like it was it was highlighting you know, like we all know that you're lyrical, mm-hmm. but I felt like it really highlighted that skill set of of where you were and and, mm-hmm. and showcasing how much of a top tier artist that you really are. Um, even just from the intro. And I appreciate that. too. Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's all it's all true. It's all truth. I'm not going to I'm not going to lie to you, um, even from the intro. Which, again, it, 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 it just played different. And I want to ask you this, too. It was the Black Lion Coalition that was spoke of in the intro. Was that an actual organization that you were starting, had yeah. started?
1: we will, It was It was in its infancy, in its uh, beginning stages. We were forming it. And uh, we was basically, it was my response to, you know, just wanting, it really started with a simple concept. It was basically just getting guys in my neighborhood to vote. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's. It's something that um, I think that as young black men, I think it's it's something that we're not really exposed to by um, certain people, I would say. Because, I mean, there are politicians and people come and ask you to vote for them. But, you know, uh, when you're in the hood, man, and the people you listen to are the people on the corner, the people you see all the time. Right. And, um, you know, because I was from that environment it was my way of saying like yo it's cool because I mean look at me I have some money I am quote unquote um on on and you know by some people's standards successful and I'm from the hood and I'm encouraging you to vote right you know what I mean not vote for any particular person
0: but just, you just vote because and just be civically minded.
1: Right, because in the in the grand scheme of, in a democratic system, I mean, uh, it doesn't always. Of, of course, you know we have other factors involved, but just fundamentally, voting reigns supreme in a democratic system. Right, right, right. So I felt that you know we needed to get more involved in the the decisions that um. That, that shape and form our community, and I think I, I felt that the, the the first step towards that was both. Right.
0: Are there any plans of reigniting the Black Lions Coalition? Hmm. Never thought about
1: it. <laughs> um, it, it was um, definitely it's a, a concept that I think need to be revisited. The name would probably be different. Um, just because I've matured and I I would like to um, represent something more universal and um, but the concept is the same
0: Mm. okay now I want to delve more into the World War 3 album too because again I I personally feel like it doesn't get the the same attention as a shell shock, right. but I feel like it should. Hell, it didn't sell as much as shell shock. <laughs> I mean it is what it is. Well and but but we also know this too that sales don't always equal quality.
1: No, no, I was I was saying that's why one got more attention. Right, right, right. The one that sells the most is a, a reflection of the fact that it was uh exposed to more people. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. The song
0: Lockdown. Mm-hmm. If irony was a song, right? because I remember listening to it and it was so eerie when I would listen to it in the midst of your situation, because it's like, it wasn't the same scenario, but it was the fact that it's almost like you predicted it. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that song today? Like sitting here now? Right. Well. And what inspired it? All right, so you know, and to take away the um,
1: the mystery of it was um I had a dream. I mean, it's, it's just cut and dry. I had a dream like in 1996, I believe. I had a dream and um I woke up, I wrote the dream down. And uh I wrote, I wrote down everything I saw in the dream, and then I took that dream and turned it into a song. Mm-hmm. And that song was locked down. I originally recorded it on the i soundtrack. Okay. And um, I didn't think that the mix on the i soundtrack was, um, I, didn't, I didn't think the mix was uh, up to the standard of the song. So I felt the need to revisit the song. Mm-hmm. I added a different hook to it and um, gave it a, a different track, something more Thought-provoking, something more uh, dramatic. Mm -hmm. And because I felt that that type of story deserved it, um, I had no idea that I would live it like some months later that I would walk into a situation that actually brought that song to life. And for the first couple of months um, in in the jail, man, I was in a state of shock because I literally was watching everything I said in the song come true, like verbatim. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, it was weird, you know? And and it was just a a very, I remember it being a very um, eye opening moment for me. And it just made me, um, it made me more conscious of, the language I choose and the words I use because I am a firm believer and ironically I believed it before I recorded the song but I guess sometimes some things have to be shown to you Mm. for you to uh fully accept it and I'm a believer that everything that everyone says is going to come to pass Mm. I just don't think we'd be conscious of what it is. And not to sound, you know, mystical or, you know, not to frighten anyone, but I just believe that everything that every human being says, everything that comes out of your mouth is a part of this whole. right? And it has to land somewhere. And that energy is transferred through some means. And um, I think we even, unconsciously know it because we say stuff like man I said that right when right, something happened right, right yeah. but we're just not conscious of it we just unconsciously say man I said that man right? and
0: mm-hmm. that be that and then it's, it's it's but it's there
1: right i got you and and that's that's the lesson i learned from that song you know it was it was a hard lesson it cost me a lot of years a lot of pain and um
0: yeah. Yeah, that uh and I, I was even debating on even asking you about that song, but I felt like it needed to be asked because, mm-hmm. you know, number one, you know, just just again, just the irony. Anyone who's who's heard the song and then they're familiar with you is like, wow, like I remember having conversations with friends just on hours on end with like oh, my gosh, like, did he predict this? Like, that, like, it, it just—it it really I mean, just blew it, our mind at the time. The
1: short answer is yes, I did. I mean, that is a fact. That is something that can't be debated. Right. It was spoken about four years before it happened. So right. that can't be debated. Yeah. Now, how did this happen is the, I guess you would say, is the meat and bones of it. And the, the the short answer is I have no idea. Man. And had I had an idea, I would not have <laughs> said it. You, know I mean? you, you would have just put that in, the, that in the. You would have kept that in notebook. I'm, and... I, now I'm gonna put this here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, but it happens,
0: you know. Right, right. Um, so just kind of turning the page a little bit. um... During that time, you know, you were saying that just recording that album it had more of a melodic tone. It was mm-hmm. it had a different feel to it. You know, this is your second major album that's that's nationwide and everything. What's your what's your mindset like, you know, leading up to recording the album and during the recording and then it being released like what's what's the mindset now? Because in a sense, you know, you've made it. You know, you talked about Shell Shock having That intense hunger in it Mm -hmm. this is after the hunger has been achieved you know what's what's the mindset there well i
1: never lost the hunger it was (laughs) it was was like i man, it was weird and 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 this is this is real talk it was weird no limit was spitting out
0: so many albums so frequently it was like an assembly line it
1: was like an assembly line or it could be compared to a fast food restaurant yeah so them orders was coming in, and we had to go ahead on and fill them orders. So we really didn't have time to give thought to how we're going to dress this burger up. Put
0: (laughs) Put that little ketchup in. Yeah, we
1: didn't have time for all that. It was like, yo, man, look, the people just ordered X, Y, Z. (laughs) We better have that ready right now. So we were going in there so fast, we didn't, we had to think fast. Right. Right. Think on our feet. So... It was just like the songs. I, I was always recording songs. I was always recording songs, whether they was at the studio, at my house, because I had a little pre-production, uh, you know, set up at the house. And um, I just was always working on stuff anyway. So, right. World War Three was probably some of the songs that I didn't use from Shell Shock. Right. And and plus some more, or not even Shell Shock. Probably songs from years prior. You know what I mean? That I I wrote. In fact, there was a song on. Uh, I think it was called, they got me know it, Paranoid on Shell Shock. I remember, yeah, it was on Shell Shock. Man, Shell Shock. I mean, Paranoid was probably about five years old. Really? When I when I recorded it, if I'm not mistaken, because I just had a lot of songs. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um,
0: But I think that's also a testament to your talent that it can still shine so much in the midst of you know, the the fast food culture. That was no limit at the time, just cranking them out, cranking them out, cranking them out, right. cranking them out. But the quality of your songs and the quality of your verses and even features, it never lost the quality there. You know, it, it's not like you got into a routine and it's just like, OK, you like you can hear him like, oh, Matt kind of lazy on that song. You right. never heard the laziness stuff. So how do you h- how did you maintain that level of just I'm going to still have the most quality verse that I can. I can write or the most quality song that I can put together, even in the midst of the fast food culture. Short like, answer: I have no idea. Because <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's like you're still like every like it's like yeah, the burgers are coming fast, but your burger still tastes a little bit better than than what do, what what's to be expected from right. McDonald's burger.
1: All right, and 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 because you put it that way. Um, because you put it that way, um, formula. See, I already had a formula for my patties. Okay. You know what I mean? I had already seasoned them. <laughs> they were already like in the fridge already, so it was time for. It was stuff. already marinated. It was already ready. So all I had to do was stick them in on a, the grill for a few minutes and then put them out. They was already cooked. Okay. And so that was the thing. Like I didn't, I didn't like when it was time for me to work on my album. I literally was just recording songs that had already been written, prepared, and was already ready. So, and, and I had a, a um, you know, KL used, and, and, and any producer that was at No Limit at the time, they used to call me like the one-take man. I come in there and do everything in one take, it's over with, I'm a high I got other stuff to do. <laughs> so, I'm coming in there. It was two things that I think, that uh, at No Limit, that, that people knew me for. I was gonna do the song in one take, and I cut all the lights out in the studio. So when you walked in the studio and every light was off and it was pitch black in there, that Mac wants
0: being in here. Now, why did you cut all the lights off?
1: Because I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want anything I saw to uh, distract from what I was doing, or right. from my message. So I, um, I um, didn't want to see anything. I just wanted, I just wanted to, it was equivalent to a rapper closing his eyes. You know how people get in the boot, but uh-huh. they sing and they close their eyes because they don't want to, They don't want no distractions. They just want to focus on what it is they're saying and to see what you're saying in your head. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, most of my songs were stories I was telling. So, and I'm pretty sure any rapper uh, that, that does the same, like most of your storytellers, they actually see this in their head as they're rapping and formulating these stories. So having the lights off was like, you know, equivalent to me you know, we're in the theater. Lights out, right. and now the, the the camera is rolling, and I'm seeing everything I'm saying. Which
0: that makes sense because I've always described your lyrics as cinematic, right? Like you can see them. They they play out like movies. So that makes right. sense that you right. would be in the dark. Yeah, and that's that's
1: why it's like uh, it's like being in the dark room developing a film.
0: Right. Right. So oh. Equivalent to that. Okay. Okay. Now, kind of, kind of, kind of revisiting um, uh, about like when we were touching on the Black Lions Club and with with everything that's happened with you, has it made you more politically astute? Like, do you pay attention to politics a little bit more now than maybe you did before as a, as a younger man? Like, you know, and, and how do these experiences kind of play into your thought process when it comes to politics the judicial system and and because that they're both married together because politicians influence the judicial system because you know they're the people who write the laws pass the laws and put them on the books and everything like that how has that kind of influenced your take on like like the political world politics is a crazy place <laughs> um. strange bedfellows yeah
1: and for me man Excuse me, throat uh, clogged up. So I think I've always been in some way, and I think that most people, I think that we all, to some degree, are politically motivated in some way or another. I mean, from the from the most uh, on the most mundane levels. I mean, even in in high school, you roll with the in crowd. You know, you want everybody wants to be part of that. um, wants to be part of where the light is shining. Right. You know what I mean? And so I think politics is the same way. It's like, um, in this country, what makes it special, I would say, you know, some might disagree. And of course we have a million problems and I don't want to, I definitely don't want to undermine any of the struggles or those who may uh, feel that, you know, that to some degree we don't, Get a fair piece of the pie because I don't, I don't i definitely don't think we do but just politics in general mm-hmm. not black politics not white politics just politics in general i think that um in this country democracy uh, allows us or allows the people to play um, a significant role um, in shaping and forming the way our communities and society by and large is gonna be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great thing. And so I've always been one who felt like I was a part of the whole, you know, even with all of the setbacks, even with all of the the, uh, the barriers, whether they're supposed or um, actual, I've always felt regardless of all of that, That I'm here, I matter, I belong here, Mm -hmm. and my voice counts, and that's just that. And if you don't listen to my voice, then I'm gonna scream in your face so you can hear me. You know what I mean? I've never felt like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not a part of this. Or, you know, they doing this. No, 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 no. You're gonna have to show me that I ain't a part of this, right? And you're going to have to run over me to let me know that I'm not a part of this because I'm here. Right. You know, so that's how I feel. If that even made sense. America, I don't know if that made sense.
0: Yeah. It made sense. I, 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 I completely follow. Um, now, kind of getting into like modern day Mac right now. You've been paroled. Right. Um, and you're someone who you've maintained your, your innocence throughout the entire situation. Right. And I'm pretty sure that you are happy to be home. you I, I, I think you've expressed that ad nauseum that you are happy to be here, but would it have made, would it have been more rewarding for you if it would have been a pardon as opposed to parole?
1: It's a weird thing, um, because the pardon, technically, all the pardon says is, is that, you know, I guess it kind of washes it away, mm-hmm. per se. And man, nothing can wash this away. I spent 21 years of my life in prison for absolutely nothing for right. committing no crime. So nothing can wash this away. I don't think that the pardon would have uh, brought any significance on my part. Um, I just wanted my freedom. Now, the objective was to always be exonerated, and that was and, and that's because just personally on a personal level right. I always wanted to prove to the victim's family, the victim in my case's family, that I didn't kill their child. Right. I've always wanted to prove that and and be and be um, validated in that claim by the courts so that they can see that, yo, you know I, as I mentioned, I didn't kill your child, right? you know what I mean? So that was more important to me than actually being pardoned. Being pardoned is basically just saying, well, all right, now you can, you're off parole, you're off this, you're off that. And I really don't have any uh, issues with parole supervision because, number one, I don't drink, I don't smoke. The parole officer could come piss test me every two hours if she felt like <laughs> it, literally. And she would get the same results, you right. know what I mean? So as far as a pardon, it would have been a great thing. And if it happens in the future, it will be a great thing. But I, I, I definitely didn't need a pardon to uh, validate my freedom. Right,
0: and and I guess I bring it up because I know that you're you're very adamant about having that established that you know you are innocent. Right.
1: So that's why I said exonerated is right. the thing that I I would have preferred to be exonerated rather than pardoned. Right. You know what I mean. So yeah, I definitely would. The, the, the goal, the overall goal. And, you know, there's still a chance to do that, to prove my innocence. Um, and that's just something personal that I want to do, just to prove to that young man's family.
0: Right. I, I can tell you, just again, as someone who grew up on your music, you turned me into a part time lawyer. I was looking, I'm like, what the, I'm arguing people now, with the ballistics didn't match. And they're like, what does the ballistics mean, Terrence? I'm like, right. The, 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 I checked it out. The ballistics just don't match. And so the I <laughs> I, I I was I was a fierce defender. And I mean I literally would just be studying man, the case nonstop and like that don't match and they railroaded them and Man, I appreciate I was that. very passionate about
1: it. I appreciate that. I'd have been like, yo, the ballistic what would the ballistics I mean bullets, fool. <laughs> <laughs> bullet They they did not match. <laughs> I just made up a word bullet sticks. <laughs> <Ballistics.
0: laughs> bullet But yeah, so yeah, I, I can tell you that, that made me pay attention and Um, Do you have any desire to maybe even work more closely with organizations that are working closely with like the judicial system to help people who may be wrongfully imprisoned, you know, similar to yourself? Well,
1: one of the things I'm doing and um, I'm a big advocate for is I am totally against song lyrics being used against rappers in court. My song lyrics were used against me in court. They were used in um, which
0: I still don't understand how they could. They were using they the can use far it far. as as some kind of admissible incident, well, evidence. Well, the,
1: the slick thing is, in my case, they didn't use it as admissible admissible evidence. the The uh, prosecutor's words was he was using because my lawyer objected, like he like yo objection, like that's totally unrelated to the crime, right? And he was like, well, I'm using it to establish his character. You still can't do it. I'm saying so. In that regard. It was allowed hmm. for him to establish my character. Basically, his basically um, in layman's terms, he wanted to prove to the jury that I was capable, that he wanted to prove he wanted something that can point to me having murderous thoughts. Right. Because he didn't have any physical evidence. He didn't have any... The ballistics didn't match. The ballistics didn't match. The witnesses were. on un- I mean, uh, the the, the, court, the so-called eyewitnesses had changed their stories, and there was no credible witnesses. So all he can point to was, well, he got this music mm-hmm. that he talks about X, Y, and Z. Right. And so I'm a big advocate for. Uh, um, well, I'm, I'm a big advocate for freedom of speech, number one, mm-hmm. and um, where we've me and a few of my um, friends have been. Uh, pushing this bill that was passed in New York just recently I read about that um, we, we uh we helped we were some of the people who we uh wrote um, support letters for it and we're trying to get laws like that passed all across the country right you know state by state if we can would love for it to happen on the federal level because I just don't think that um rap music is I just don't think that it is. Um, conclusive enough to be used in the courtroom as evidence. Well,
0: I mean, I mean it, as a rapper, we... It's art and entertainment.
1: Yeah, it's, it's art. And then just from an artist's perspective, I know that a lot of the stuff that we write is totally fiction right. or highly exaggerated. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it's definitely not conclusive enough to be actual evidence in court. That's ridiculous. And I just don't think that... I don't, I don't think it's right. And I'm going to always um be on the side of defending the artist's freedom to say what they want to on their records right
0: okay so now just kind of just the everyday life for matt mm-hmm. you know you've again yadi situation now you know your 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 home what does a regular day for matt consist of now when you're not touring because I know you you know you, yeah, you, you well, were on tour as well too but what what does a, what does just an average day for Mac consist of now
1: you know I basically I go to work when I leave work I spend time with my family I check on my family members uh my extended family members and
0: now what is the work that you do?
1: I actually work with kids okay. um, I work at a, a youth camp and it's something I'm passionate about because I feel like the biggest investment and this is not a sound bite the biggest <laughs> investment that we can make is, um, is uh, investing, in, investing our time to spend with, um, to, to, to have a positive influence on kids because I think that uh, just in, in a, the most lamest terms I can put it, in 20 years from now, in 20 years from now, them little kids is going to be the adults running the country. Absolutely. Right. And I'm going to be old. And I don't need no damn fools out there (laughs) Uh, making no decisions for my old ass when I can't, you know, when I can't do a lot of things for myself. Right. So I ain't one of the people that's going to sit back and complain about the way these kids is. I'm going to go on the ground.
0: You got to plant the seeds now.
1: Right. I'm going to get in it. You know, I want to be in the thick of it and I want to give myself because some people give money. and, And guess what? I am very thankful. And we love the people that actually donate money to the, these causes. Mm. But me, I just have a deeper connection to it than that. I want to donate me. I, right. give my, I give myself to it because um, I'm just a tactile person. I like to be there. I like to be in it. Right. You know, I don't, I don't, like, to, I don't like to see it from a distance. Yeah, you, know, you, you want to be right be there in the midst. I'm an artist. I got to feel it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's why I work there, and I, it's, it's something I love doing.
0: Okay, and now what else does a, does a regular day for Mac consist of? You 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 you, um, you got your counseling gig.
1: Yeah, leave that. Uh, go home, take a nap because I ain't gonna lie. The flip side of it is, kids will drain you. <laughs> Man, it's hot. Louisiana, America, Louisiana's heat <laughs> is unmatched. And
0: Louisiana heat is way is, way different.
1: And mix that with a lot of different. Personalities. Whew, so when I get home, and then factor in America, I'm old. So he he keeps saying he old, but I I, I sense a youthful so, spirit. So I get home, I'm like, man, I gotta take. I be thinking I'm young, so I gotta take that old man now <laughs> See when you when yeah when you reach a certain urge of a certain age America, you gonna take that old man now a 15, 20, 30 minutes of breathing. just, just a little power nap. Yeah. That's all that is. That's yeah, all that Yeah, is. I'm going to rebrand it. A power nap. Yeah, there we go. It's not like an old, old man nap. It's a power nap. It's an old man nap. So, <laughs> take my little old man nap, get up, and you know, I, I you know, spend time with my family. I like to work around the house. I like to build stuff. I go work on music. Uh, I, work, I like to work at music in the middle of the night when everybody is like asleep or, you know, when it's dark. Yeah, when it's dark and I can hear my thoughts. And I can hear those little voices that be in my head, so, uh, so that, that write the songs for me. Now, America don't believe that. So um, I I do that. You know I I like to, like I said I like to work around the house I get up cut the grass, dies the snakes in the yard. Uh,
0: Louisiana does have a lot of snakes. Yeah, yeah.
1: This is Louisiana. We're in the swamp. They got snakes everywhere. Yeah. Um, I was at my business partner's uh, house the other day, and there was an alligator in a pond behind his house. So uh, it's just the way
0: it is in Louisiana. Just for no reason, just that. For no
1: reason, you know. Like, dude, why you here? Man? So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Go, you know, I go to my mom's art gallery, spend some time there, go spend some time with my grandmother's house, at my nieces and nephews, uh, you know, just, just enjoying family. Mm-hmm. You know, calling some of my partners up, highlight me, uh, my boy D, um, you know, just whatever, man. You know, when I spend some time with my son, you know what I mean? It's just always, it's always um, a opportunity to just to just to share and, and and to breathe with people you love. Right,
0: right. And just you know, I I imagine just you know really embracing and really just you know enjoying that time because I know you missed so much time. You know, even though yeah. you had, you know you, you you always speak of your family as being you know your support system. And, you know, they were there present with you, but it's different when you can really be around them and really, you know, just be at leisure with them. So I, I imagine that you do enjoy that time a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, um, I definitely enjoy, um, I enjoy being with them on a whole nother level now, you know, you know, I, for years, my family came to see me in a visiting, uh, shed, uh, visiting room rather than, uh. You know, always, it always just gave me the energy I needed, you know, for the, the rest of the week. But, um, yeah, just just spending time with the family, man, is, is probably the most important thing that we can do. And, you know, I encourage people to not wait until, you know, a situation like mine has occurred mm-hmm. to start spending time with your family. Because, believe it or not, when it's all said and done, all that really matters is the memories you make with the family. Not them cars, not that jewelry. None of that stuff, all of that stuff is going to someday be meaningless to you. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I know this for a fact. And um, the only thing that's really going to matter to you is your memories and the things and uh, the times you spent with the people you love. So I try to make sure that I let nothing come in between that. You know, I try to... uh, me and my wife, we do almost everything together, mm-hmm. cause um, I mean, when you marry someone and you make that type of commitment, that's what you make the commitment for. You don't make it for that person to be uh, a decoration on your arm, right. you know what I mean? And vice versa, you make it so you can you make a commitment to spend the rest of your life with a person. And so, yeah, you know, we do we do a lot together. We spend a lot of time together, and um, You know we're growing together. There's a lot of things about myself that the relationship has taught me. You know, some most mostly great things, right? And then some things, damn, (laughs) didn't (laughs)
0: want to admit that. I mean, Uh, (laughs) now you now you you making me face it, huh?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like I was trying. I was running from America. I was running from (laughs)
0: that. Yeah. Now, so tell me now. who are some artists that Mac can appreciate lyrically? And, you know, I understand that's a, that's a big ask because you are someone who takes the art of lyricism serious. But what artists do you look at? And, and we, we can even look at just, just, lyrically? just lyrically, but we can also look at not, not even just mainstream. They could be close to home. Are there any right. artists out of New Orleans and area that strike Mac as? oh, okay, yeah, lyrically, they on point.
1: All right, well, you know, there are a few people you know that I really like as far as lyrically, if we're talking lyrics, because some of the stuff I like is just not all that lyrical. Some of the stuff I like is just, you know, I like I like my fried chicken too. Exactly. Even though I know it ain't good for your time, you all the time, I like a little fried chicken. You, too. you got to have a good so, mix. Yeah. So, but as far as um, lyrics is concerned, of of, of course, um, I have to put your 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 J Cole your um, Kendrick Lamar's. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the kind of people I appreciate listening to. Lupe Fiasco. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate Wale. I appreciate my homie D1. Mm. Because D1 is not only lyrical, he has a a, a a consistent, positive message behind the lyrics. Right. And I think that his positive messaging sometimes, I think... Uh, in, in some people's mind and over, it overshadows the fact that the lyricism is actually on point and right. A1. Right. You know what I mean? Is it's real crafty, it's real witty, and even if you take the positive factor out of it just creatively, is on point. Right. And um that's that was always my thing. Like I listen to some artists and you know I won't name a few just oh um you have artists like uh another example would be of, of someone that I feel is lyrically on point that uh, that I don't think gets a lot of credit for lyricism is like a drake yeah like drake just makes hella good songs i don't necess- i don't necessarily have to be a huge fan of, of an artist to know that they just make some good songs. yeah. And lyrically, it'd be on point. I just think that it gets so popular that you, it kind of loses the idea that there was actual lyricism in there. Mm-hmm. Another one, um, and I just say this like a Kanye West, right? Mm-hmm. Like Kanye West, I've always uh, said for years that Kanye's career as a producer, he had became so big as a producer that I think it kind of overshadowed the fact that Kanye really can freaking rap. Yeah, you know what I mean. He like, can. He really had flow. You know what I mean. And but as far as newer guys, um, I think there are a couple of guys that that are new that has flow. I just have to listen to some some more uh, music, man. I I have to listen to some more because I I'll catch little pieces of stuff. Every now and then of the newer cats, and I'd be like, yo, that was dope. But I think there's a few guys that I really need to buckle down and listen to.
0: Now, that there is artists from New Orleans, and I think that maybe they they sometimes go overlooked as well, too. Wanted to get your thought on that. 3 d Nineteen.
1: Oh, well, let me, let, me let, 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 me just, let me just tell you this. Let me just tell you this. Let me just tell you this. And I don't say this lightly.
0: Well, that, that, that's why I'm posing the question to you, because your opinion of someone who, who and spits I wanna, lyrics...
1: And I want to apologize profusely for not mentioning her earlier. 3 d Night t is one of the dopest MCs I have ever heard. She's one of the best battle rappers I have ever heard. Lyrically, cadence-wise... Creatively? Creatively, something serious.
0: I just had to get your take on We that.
1: did a s- spoiler
0: alert. <laughs> okay. So are we getting like an exclusive here? I feel good now. I'll just say this.
1: We got together to do something. I wrote something. I recorded it. And then I spoke with her afterwards Mm -hmm. and asked her would she be a part of it. And she said she would be honored to. And after she told me that she would be honored to, I went back and rewrote everything that I put on that verse in anticipation for what I knew she was bringing. (laughs)
0: Because you know you got to come serious.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you who else is a lyricist that, um, I think that because, um, I think that the imagery gets, probably overshadows the fact that he's a true lyricist and that's Currency. Huge fan of Currency. Another one that's real witty, Mm -hmm. real crafty, and, um, yeah, I think the the fact that, you know, he's known now, he's, I mean, he, he likes... The smoke, yeah. and no riders, right? Right, right. So I think that I think that because so people forget, or I think it it, it blows by some people that he can really go. Nah, he really spitting. Yeah, you know what I
0: mean, and yeah, you know, he he he. I think he's done a good job of cultivating a a fan base where it's like right, he doesn't even have it's to consistent. be a part of a machine. It's like he can put out a project and right. tour on that project for months and then right. come back and, and and he consistently puts out just multiple projects in, in right. the run of the year. So yes, he he is definitely someone who right. belongs in that conversation.
1: Yeah. And a good dude, too, generally a good cat.
0: Okay. Now since, since we 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 on the topic of music and current music now, I got to ask about your current music. I know you know again you you have to feed your, your need for being around family because that's important. And mm-hmm. I think that even with artists, people forget that artists are people. Right. And that they, you know, if, especially if they've come out of a insurmountable type of situation that you came out of, you just want to breathe. It's, you know, you, you want to take your time and breathe. Right. But because of what you're famous for, you know, people want to know. Current music, how's that going?
1: Man, the weird thing is, it's on the way. Um, and by the way, I, America, I, I remember when you dropped 21 something. It's on the way, America. So, yeah, we got music coming. It was, um, I had to get adjusted to the way, you know, these, these digital platforms, just the way they're doing music now. It was an adjust, adjustment for me. Um, I make no excuses. It took It took longer than I expected. Um, but it's coming and when it comes, it's going to be, it's going to be consistent. Like projects are going to be coming back to back to back and back. It's just, it took, it took me a while to get, um, acclimated into, you know, acclimated to my freedom, mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me. And, and other things took a lot as well. Just learning and learning how fickle the market is now and, and just how to navigate it, you know, has been, um. A challenge that I was up for, so I've, I've I've been out now over a year, and I got a t- I got a little chance to get my foundation solid, and which is what I wanted, you know, was the uh, most important thing, just getting my feet on solid ground, and now that it is, and you know everything is is, is straight. Now um, I think it's time, you know, I'm gonna just start bringing it. Now, you know, the music is. Um, it's more mature, it's different. Of course, I mean I just by my own standard, I think it would be foolish of me to um uh to record more albums that sound like Shell Shock or World War Three. I mean I'm forty five years old, I got grandkids. I mean right. it would be idiotic of me to just get on the song and scream murder, murder. That would be crazy. Right. So um the music is definitely a reflection of maturity, it's a reflection of my views. Um I'm an artist, so what I do is I take the way I feel or the way I, um, my perception of certain things, and I turn them into song. And and that's what people can expect. You know, I'm gonna have fun on there. Uh, you know, I, I, um, I'm sarcastic. I mean, that's just you know, part of being me. And I embrace all of it. <clears throat> I definitely got some thought provoking stuff. And the music is probably more, it's more uh, jazzier because I've always been a fan of jazz. I just always um, wanted to incorporate jazz in my sound. That's why I was fans of like Tribe Called Quest and mm-hmm. people like that when I was a kid, because unbeknownst to me at the time, I liked their sound. And I knew it was jazz because I used to dig in a lot of crates with some of my friends that were DJs and play these old jazz records looking for a loop to make a beat out of. And I would later learn over years, you know, uh, it didn't dawn on me at that time that what those New York artists were sampling was the New Orleans sound. Right, right. You know what I mean. Right. So, you know, it was. I always wondered why I had such a connection to that sound, and you know, it, it's the reality. The, the reality is, is, man, that's just part of my DNA. I mean, that's that's the that's the heartbeat of the city.
0: Well, I can tell you as someone who. Uh, purchased 21 Summers the first day it dropped. Um, oh man, appreciate that. Your, your audience grew up with you as well, so you don't have to worry about having to screen murder, murder, <laughs> yeah. kill, because guess what? Your audience is married, got 401Ks, and they are anticipating your held return to the mic. Um, it has been an honor and a pl- pleasure and a privilege to same sit here with same you same to talk same. about you know, your story, your future plans, and if you have any words you want to leave us with, I'm not gonna say, you know, last words, final words, but if you have, have any, word. if you have any words you want to leave us with, you can.
1: Nah, I just want to say that 21 Summers and all is on the Australian <laughs> platform. <laughs> uh, you can find me or follow me at Official uh, on Instagram. I think we have, a, we have a few on social media platforms, but the music is coming. New record Son of the City will be on his way. Uh, I want to say thank you to you guys. Thank you to the homie Tim Wilkerson. Uh, and if nothing else, it's been some mad game for you, homie. All right.
0: Mac, thank you again, man. I really appreciate it. Just remember, you either at the table or you're on the menu. We out.